welcome to the Get Naked Live podcast, where we are redefining the strong Black woman. I'm your host, Shirley Hubbard, and I am super excited to bring you intimately honest, sometimes uncomfortable, yet strangely funny conversations and real life stories on how emotionally draining being a strong black woman can be. Each episode is designed to help you find the courage to embrace your emotional nakedness, define strength on your own terms, burn a superwoman cape because you know you are sick of wearing it, and learn to love life unmasked. I have an amazing guest here with me today. Her name is Maisha, and she has such a powerful story. So I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and grab some tea, get comfortable, and let's get naked. Welcome, Maisha. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. I am so excited to have you here. How was your day today? My day today was wonderful. It finally reached a regular spring day here in New York City. It was 80-something degrees. I was very, very happy to finally have some sun. I Um, know. Because it seems like um, spring and winter have kind of like been playing games with us a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, it's waiting. It's like everybody <laughs> talks about this new season, Sprinter. So it's like... This- right. <laughs> so as I mentioned, we Get Naked Live is all about redefining the strong Black woman. But before we dive into that and dive into your story, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. I am a mom to five, uh, four children that I birthed and my gift daughter from my previous marriage. I am a divorcee. I'm a former entrepreneur. So I, I used to have my own business and did that for a couple of years. And now I, I work with a wonderfully small nonprofit in Harlem that oh, works with uh, youth development. I've had a huge journey. I, I mean, I could tell you things from like, I've, I've, I've been on Saturday Night Live, so I went to boarding school. I'm interesting. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, thank you. Very interesting life. Very oh, it, it sounds interesting and fun. Many parts of it are fun. My brother keeps wanting me to write a book, and I'm always like, oh, you, know. you should totally do it. It sounds like a very interesting life. I would love to read about it. Thank you. So what did you do on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> It's so funny. So I was, uh, I think I was 11 or 12 years old. And my my second cousins, my father's first cousins, they worked at NBC Studios. They worked for Saturday Night Live and they mm-hmm. needed a bunch of kids for a skit. And so it was literally me and my cousins from both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side. And we were there doing a skit with Denitra Vance. And she's supposed to, a burglar was supposed to be coming in. It was a Ronald Reagan's son. He was the burglar coming into this single woman household with like a gang of kids type of skit. And I was also on for the, when uh, Eddie Murphy did the Gumby skit where he was reading a story. It was, it was a Christmas. He was reading a story to a bunch of kids and I was one of the kids. But then mm-hmm. when, they went, when they went live, I couldn't be on because I was all. At the, oh. I was, I was on for just for the run through that they do before they go live um, at 1130. Girl, you're something like a celebrity. I need your <laughs> autograph. <laughs> like, yeah, I met Eddie Murphy and all them. Yes, yes. That is amazing. That's wonderful. It sounds like you're leading a very interesting and fun life. I'm here for it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm getting there. Yes. Yeah, Girl, there. you have arrived. What do you mean? <laughs> 
I like that. I like that. You have arrived. So Maisha, tell me, what does redefining a strong Black woman mean to you? And why, in your opinion, do you think that this is an important movement? Or do you think it's an important movement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to try not to curse on here, but absolutely. You know, to me, the strong Black woman is someone who is in touch with her emotions, who knows how to communicate them um, in a healthy manner, even even if it is difficult for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, yes, it is someone who is resilient, who is able to to be creative with whatever life throws at her, but it's really someone who can actually be in touch with with her inner person, her inner child, her desires, her needs, her sexuality, her sensuality. Yes, um, yes. Her her spirituality. Uh, It's someone who she is able to, she's able to get in in touch with with who she is and not who she thinks society wants her to be or the stereotype that's- Yes, absolutely, yes. That's that's what it it means to me to redefine on what that is. So quick question. Are you, are, are you currently her? Have you been her? Are you working towards being her? Have you always been the strong Black woman by the definition that you just gave? Yes and no. So I didn't grow up, I, I grew up in a family where the women were definitely strong by the, by the you know, the typical scent. My grandmother, she came up north uh, with uh, my uncle and my mom. We had left her husband at the time and came up north. He subsequently followed her up there anyway. You know, had a marriage that was not healthy by any definition or any standard. Mm-hmm. And to her, being strong meant just persevering through that, through that, through that abuse. That was, that was strength for her. Right. And, you know, so for my mom, I think for her being strong was keeping everything inside. Mm-hmm. You know, for her it was, you don't get too angry. You know, you always try to be pleasant. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I grew up with. Everything always, you know, wanted to, you know, everything kind of looked good. So that was my mother's strength. That mm-hmm. was how she got the thing. And so for me, I think it was um, mostly my mother, some one of my grandmother that that got me through the the, the situations and the subsequent abuse that I that I endured, but for me, being strong ended up being putting trying to push everything down, not getting too angry, and and doing a lot of uh, what's now called spiritual bypassing. So things would happen in my life, and it was kind of like, well, this is what's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is what the universe said, and, mm-hmm. you know. So this is this is just kind of I just I, this is what I've been given, and I I just I just need to endure this. So it was I I uh, my strength came from this this pseudo spiritual idea that you know not religious but really spiritual that I'm, I'm not all that so watching watching your mom and what strength was for her how do you think that has played a role in how you have de- dealt with things in your past life how has it spilled over into your life I had no idea how to be angry ah, okay. I had no idea how to be angry and and I know this sounds odd because it, it seems like the typical black woman is just angry and, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for many good valid reasons. So I wasn't I wasn't that, you know. Um I had no idea how to how to be angry or mad. I, I suffered from depression from the time I was about ten mm-hmm. until my mid to late twenties, complete with a suicide attempt, twenty-one. And so I that's where my anger went. My anger went inward. I was the problem, I was the issue, everything was my fault. This is why things didn't go right, because I was a screw up. Mm-hmm. I, I internalized everything that 
went wrong. And I didn't really learn how to be angry until about two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, about two years ago. Is it two years ago? About two years ago. Yeah. What, so what happened two years ago that made you, made you realize that me internalizing all this anger and not being able to process it is probably not the best thing for me? What happened? Like what, what happened that, that triggered that for you? Oh, I, so it was the process of, of me leaving my marriage and okay. I, you know, I, I, we were living in, in Maryland and I came back to New York after that and, you know, with four kids in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was kind of catatonic for a while. I didn't really know what I was doing or how to, how to live really. I, just, I, you know, I, I just, I remember just constantly feeling just like I was, like I was staring into space. Right. Um, and from there I allowed my, my, I didn't fully process my pain. I acted out my pain in the most unhealthiest of ways and did not take time to to grieve did not take time to be angry and so after you know flitting about the city with all mm-hmm. that people that I didn't need to uh, and realizing okay this is probably not the best way and it was through I ended up studying I was a personal trainer at the time and then I ended up studying Tantra and I ended up getting into sexuality and spirituality in that sense and I realized that I was missing something I was mm-hmm. definitely missing that that piece that said I was something was off long story short I signed up for a course with a woman Regina Tomashauer who is also known as Mama Gina mm-hmm. and she has this this course called School for Womanly Art and I signed up for it and during that the four month process part of what she did was help women unearth their anger and the first time women were screaming in the audience I literally wanted to run out of the room mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to process any of that by mm-hmm. the end of the four months I was like screaming in rage and crying and beating on seats then you know wow but I had never really done that before I had never I figured there was no reason for me to be angry right that's how I saw it so I I know for me I was kind of like you I internalized a, a lot of my feelings and emotions and had experienced so much trauma in my life and my mom was kind of like your mom she was like this pillar of strength I I rarely ever saw her cry and so of course that spilled over into my life but one morning I woke up and I and I was like surely nobody's coming to save you you gotta save your damn self so do you think that you had a moment like that where you realized that I gotta save myself yes Yes. And that was a hard moment. And that happened after my divorce. And that was a very mm. hard moment because for whatever reason I had in my brain that I, I, I was still looking for my, a, a man to come save me. I was looking for my dad to come save me. And so it was hard for me to accept the fact that I had to save myself. That was, I didn't like that at all. It, it felt, it felt like a humongous responsibility and I really didn't want to be responsible. Right. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I wanted to just, you know, be a wife and a mom and have somebody else kind of take care of, of the hard things and yeah but that, that's not how life happens so if you were to meet another woman who's in the same position that you were in at that time what would be your words of encouragement for her how could she move past that moment in her life it sounds it sounds trite but breathe we we don't when you're trying to avoid things we hold in our breath mm-hmm. and when we start breathing and taking in deep breaths uh, all of all manner of of, of emotion starts to stir up in us. It starts to come out on its own. Um, and so that's the first thing I would recommend to her is just take a moment and, and just breathe through it. If I, it, 
you know, like I sometimes often think like the same, you know, if I were to go back and meet my younger self, you know, that kind of thing. Like, right, I, right. you know, what would I, what would I say to her? And yes, I would definitely say that. I, I mean, I would tell her she's worthy. I would tell her she's worth it, but that's so hard to hear. It's just so hard to hear. The best thing I could do is just hold space for when you're ready. Absolutely. So uh, along those same lines, you said that you have four teenagers and you also have a adult gift daughter. Yeah. And are your four teenagers, are, are they girls? Uh, one girl, three boys. Okay. So what would you, okay, so how are you doing things differently from with her as, you know, because we both said our moms kind of hurt their strength, kind of poured over in, into our lives. So what are you doing differently with your daughter so that she doesn't travel that same path? Oh my gosh, I think so much. She's, she's, and I tell all the time, you're, you're all the strength that I have now at my age. Oh, wow. That's, now that's amazing. That yeah, is amazing. None of like you are. She is so, uh, you know, I mean, she, she breaks down, she cries in front of me. I console her I'm I'm brutally honest with her you mm-hmm. know with compassion but I'm honest with her about myself about my failings about my shortcomings about my mm-hmm. humanity because a lot of times we think our parents are these mythical mm-hmm. that are just magical right absolutely and I've always told my children I am you just grown up I always say this to them the same feelings you're feeling now at your ages I felt too I'm just grown up and dealing with it a little better right so don't look at me as though I know it all I I I consider myself to be their guide. Mm-hmm. And and so that's how I've always approached motherhood. And that's how I've always approached things with my daughter. And so at age appropriate levels, I've always given her information, you know, some of the same information at five, but I might've changed the wording at 12. Right. Um, you know, she's finishing up her freshman year in college now. She's with, you know, a great young man who just takes such excellent care of her. But at the same time, whereas I at that age was so insecure and, and, and so afraid of losing the boyfriend that I had mm-hmm. she, she doesn't fear that oh wow you know? that's amazing like, yeah it would be sad if, if she you know she's like it would be sad if we broke up absolutely mm-hmm. she doesn't compromise herself at any step of the way or or who she is and they talk they, they have a they talk a lot I'm big on communication so they mm-hmm. they have a lot of conversation and they're each other's best friends and that that to me is what's most important so I, a lot of talk it sounds like you like you done a tremendous job with her I know with my children because I was still going through the whole pinned up feelings and emotions things I didn't do that with my children so there's still some work and some healing to be done with them but with my granddaughter who is about to be three, even at her tender age, I'm very careful about the words that I say to her so that she doesn't think that it's not okay to cry if she falls and hurt herself. And so I wish I had known then what I know now. So I think like your daughter just being that type of person who's able to cry in front of people and and feels no shame or judgment about it. That is absolutely amazing because that is what we need to be teaching our children. Because let's be real, this has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. It goes all the way back to days of slavery where slaves had to be strength for the women that they were cleaning houses for (laughs) and for their children. And so it's just been passed down and passed down and passed down. So what I hear you saying is you said the book stops here and we're going to do things differently. And so I just got to say kudos to you for doing that because I mean, I just think that that's amazing because you don't find that a lot. And then our children grow up and the cycle just repeats itself. And that's such a sad place to be in. So I think you've done a great job. Go girl. <laughs> well, 
we'll we'll see we'll see as the boys develop. And, and yeah, because I think I think that that men men suffer from for lack of a better term the strong black man syndrome as well. So we we have to instill these qualities and characteristics in our boys too. So I'm glad glad you brought that up. So yeah. So I I, I did notice that that you said that you that you you struggled with depression. Um, you even had a suicide attempt. What brought you through that period in your life? Like what 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 type of strategies are you using now to keep from going back to that place? So I think this is why I was given as many children as I was given. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because it was like you know, it was like spirit was like, you need to focus. So <laughs> left to your own devices, this just doesn't work well. Because I, oh, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I never planned on having any children because I just knew I was going to screw them up. I just, you know, I, I would make jokes. I can't take care of a plant. I can't take care of myself. How am I going to take care of a baby? And then it has to stay with me all the time. It's not, right. You know, so I never planned. <laughs> on having any children but I didn't get and I didn't get one I got five and I think that they are they are the catalyst for for a lot of what I do and a lot of the change that has happened the the reality of it is on my own at that time it wasn't enough now now I'm enough right I, I was nowhere near enough to get through this on my own and at the time the strategies I used were you know were medication and counseling and that got me through but not far enough I think I, sh- I could have used another couple of years of, of counseling because I got married at way too young an age, I was mm-hmm. I was just I was just shy of 24. So I was 23. That, that I I hadn't I just committed tried to commit suicide at 21. I really didn't have enough time in between to still grow into womanhood, you know. Right. And, and, and right. Know, like, over the course of my marriage, it was my children that that kept me focused. It was my mm-hmm. children that you know kept me grounded, even when the depression would kind of come in. And there were times when I did think about killing myself in my 20s still. Mm-hmm. And, but I knew I could never leave them. That's what kept me here. It was like, I cannot leave my children. It right. Was- it would devastate them. And it, I mean, it was so little, but I knew that it would devastate them. And I think if any mother, any father, you know, it would devastate your child. But uh, absolutely, yes. I found my strength in my 30s. And this is why I've gotten to the point where I love aging. Like you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough to be in my 20s again. I'll go back to my I don't 20s. think I've ever heard anybody say I love aging. Because <laughs> there's this, there's a wisdom that, that I, I have had the fortunate pleasure of being around women who are older mm-hmm. who have created their journey. Right. I know there are a lot of black women who are bitter about their journey or are trying to relive parts of their journey that they feel like they missed out on either because they had children younger or something else. Uh, but I w- have been fortunate enough to create friendships with women. One of my best friends is 20 years older than me. The other mm-hmm. one is 10 years older than me. And to watch them go through this process and they call it like, you know, becoming the crone and the wise one. I was like, oh, okay. This like now I'm, I'm in my 40s and I'm like, oh, this is cool. So my 20s was just a hot mess. You know, I didn't know if I was coming or going. Neither did my ex-husband. We were all over the place. My 30s was a time when I kind of grew into myself. And it's like that, that's when womanhood kind of, I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I found some strength. My marriage started to fall apart because I was like, mm, no, this is not happening anymore. I literally feel like, I think I told a friend of mine, I said, I, I feel like just last year I, I became a grown up. Like, it's Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. To grow up, to say, you know what? This is what needs to be done. Right. 
coming to save me. I need to do these things. And it's like, this is what adults do, you know? So I was like, get it together. And and so now here I, here I am and I feel much more comfortable. And all of the strategies that I, I felt like I had to use before, they're there. I know the tools are there, mm-hmm. but I, I don't call upon them as much just because I feel, I just feel naturally grounded on a daily basis. Girl, you know? yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it because you're right. It does take some time to get to that point. It's not like you just wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm good and I'm strong and I can handle this and I can handle that. That just doesn't happen. But it happens with age. So I think I'm going to start saying I love aging. (laughs) I have absolutely never heard anybody say that. So yes, (laughs) girl, we love aging. So we're going to get up, get ready to wrap it up in just a little bit. But I do want to ask you some rapid fire questions. The first one being, we're not crazy enough to believe that every day is a good day that you never have have a moment where you don't fall apart or you're happy or sad. So what is, what do you do when you have a day like that? What do you do to get back to your happy place? Absolutely nothing. I mean, literally, I do nothing. I, I sit in the bed. I veg out. I was feeling like that the other day. I binge uh-huh. watched the whole new season of Will and Grace. Yeah, I do. I do nothing because that means it's time for me to just rest and, and recuperate. So, so you, you just honor yourself and just that's right. whatever you feel like doing. If it's nothing, then it's nothing. And it's nothing. That's right. Okay. I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Next question. If we really knew you, if we could see your heart, what would we know about Maisha? I will sacrifice everything for those I love. Yes. Without question. Without question. Look at you coming up with all the good answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maisha, we're going to get up and get ready to wrap it up. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Like there, you, you have such an amazing testimony. And to have lived through depression and then a suicide attempt and a marriage. And now you have four beautiful children who you are training up and teaching that it's okay to embrace your emotional vulnerabilities. I mean, like, it doesn't get any better than that. Can we agree on that? We can agree on that. So before we go, what parting words would you like to leave for our listeners? If there's one thing that you would want them to take away from your story, what would that thing be? Your biggest strength is in your vulnerability. It is Yes, girl! <laughs> the, yes! The strength does not come from sucking it up. Strength comes from being vulnerable and allowing your walls to come down. I know it sounds crazy, but that is what I have learned, that the more vulnerable I've allowed myself to be, the stronger I've actually become. I love it. I absolutely love it because I always say the strength of a woman is found in the power of her nakedness. And when we can learn to embrace our naked selves, no mask, no facade, we are powerful beyond measure. So I I love that. Aisha, you have been so amazing. This has been such a good time. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. So this is it. Thank you for having me. It it has been an absolute pleasure. It really has. So say goodbye. Bye. Woman. Woman.